welcome to episode 8 of the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri and I'm joined by the two coolest people in the Zelda community, Savannah Galt and Taylor Wells. How are you guys doing today? What's up everyone? So we are moving over to a new bat time, same bat channel. Uh, we are going to, we were releasing on Fridays, now you can look forward to us on Mondays just to make the start of your week just a little bit brighter. So don't be alarmed if you didn't see anything coming on Friday. You can now look forward to us on Mondays going forward. So just a PSA for everybody out there. So we've got a very good episode for you guys this week and we are going to get villainous. <laughs> it's going to be a wicked episode. I can feel the maliciousness a seeping out of you, Andy. Episode. Right. <laughs> so we're going to talk about other villains from other media that we think would be cool inside of the Zelda universe. So like the archetypes for other types of villains and how they might relate to what they could be doing. We're going to talk about villains that we think are the most misused in the Zelda series. But first, we're going to touch upon... It was an editorial that I wrote a long time ago... And it was something that one of us brought up a couple weeks ago, and it concerns the main villain of Zelda. His name is Ganondorf, and what his future should be in the series. Before we get started on this, what are your guys' quick thoughts about Ganondorf as a villain? And you know what, we might as well, when I say Ganondorf, I'm going to include Ganon as well. So from now on, when I say Ganon or Ganondorf, I mean both. Okay, I, I would say that I love him, personally, just because probably nostalgia in that all the games that I played when I was a kid, with the exception of A Link to the Past and Link's Awakening, pretty much involved Ganondorf as the main villain, so I was very accustomed to him being the end-all be-all for bad guys. Um, and I, I just... I especially loved it whenever they gave him any sort of depth, so Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, Skyward Sword. That was always nice to see more behind the man uh, that was terrorizing literally everybody on the planet. Yeah, I definitely agree with the nostalgia thing. I mean, he's kind of always been one of the main characters, so I've kind of always liked him, but I do think that he's kind of overused. I mean... I'm kind of like, okay, well, pretty much every game we defeat him, it kind of, you know, damages his credibility a little bit. So while I like mm, him, good word. I would be, I think I would be okay, not necessarily with retiring him permanently, but just kind of almost putting him on the back burner for a little while. Good word. Excellent word. And I'm going to use that word again in just a second here, is credibility. <laughs> so the outline of my editorial and the outline of my theory is Ganondorf and Ganon should be retired from the Legend of Zelda series. It's a bold statement, but I think that they should be retired. And I love Ganondorf. Um, Ganondorf, especially over Ganon, has been protected a little bit by his appearances are more rare and his appearances are more meaningful. And Ganondorf was allowed to achieve a lot more success i think than like just having a generic ganon show up at the end of a link to the past or the oracle games or whatever so I the agree. premise of this series or of this editorial is that this ganondorf isn't essential to the triforce demise is demise as we saw in skyward sword 
places the curse on Link and Zelda and says, I will always be there, basically, to come and, to come and haunt you. Um, you know, there's nothing you can do. I will always be there. And then, so at the, you know, eventually this manifests into Ganon and Ganondorf. Uh, we can see the visual similarities between Demise and Ganondorf. So, you know, Ganondorf the man, which, you know, we're assuming eventually evolves into Ganondorf the beast, or Ganon the beast, isn't like, he's not like uh, the end-all and be-all in this. You know, I think a lot of fans are, are, you know, amped for Demise to maybe make a return one day. So that would be like, that would be like the, the, the original, the OG coming back. So Ganondorf himself isn't necessary. The other pillar of this theory is going back to credibility. So when I look at some of my favorite villains of all time, and I'm going to throw names out there like Kuja from Final Fantasy IX, um, the Elusive Man from Mass Effect, Albedo from Xenosaga, Sephiroth, and Liquid Snake, all of these guys had clear motivations, they had character arcs, and more importantly, they had a beginning and they had an end. Now, I feel like if you have a serious villain like Ganondorf, he needs to have the same thing. He needs to have an arc and he needs to have a beginning and an end. See, the, the problem is, is that every time that you defeat Ganon, he just he loses a little bit of credibility more so and you know he keeps on coming back and coming back and coming back and you know like yes they they throw him the bone of, of conquering hyrule for seven years or they throw him the bone of in breath of the wild he's terrorized you know hyrule for a hundred years but the at the end of the day he's still defeated time and time and time and time again to the point where it's like this guy isn't isn't threatening he, you know that he's gonna get beaten why does it keep coming back? So what are you guys' thoughts about that? I think at the end of the day, though, that's kind of what the timelines tried to address in saying, here's a downfall timeline to kind of throw him a bone as well. And that, well, what if he did win in Ocarina of Time? But ultimately, I think you're you're right in that it's, it's getting old hat and where you beat him every time so i'd like to see a game where he wins like even if it's just like a cameo appearance at the end where you beat whatever villain is at the end of that zelda game and then uh in an epilogue or cutscene at the end like you just see ganondorf you know laughing and burning the world or some some kind of thing that leads into another game that would be Ooh, interesting that would be cool interesting. And I can hear people already just being like, oh, well, Bowser comes back every game, or like, what about King K. Rule, or, or whatever. Like, those kind of villains that come back every time and they get beat over and over and over again. I would agree, but I would also say, like, those villains slant a little bit, like, more on the humorous side, where you can be a little bit tongue-in-cheek with them, or... Yeah, again, you know, tends to be a need... lot more serious. Yeah, they don't need serious credibility. It's like, I go back to Final Fantasy VII, okay? And, uh, you know, we all know what Sephiroth did to Ares in the middle of the game. And so you build towards that big battle at the end. Now, imagine that in Final Fantasy VIII, Cloud is still there, but Sephiroth just comes back. And then in Final Fantasy IX, Sephiroth comes back. It's like, it, every time it loses a little bit of meaning. So I think the fight in Ocarina of Time was fantastic, 
and you know the fight in Wind Waker was really fantastic but you just you get these diminishing returns where you eventually go and you play Breath of the Wild and you're just like well I'm fighting Ganon but like what's the point he's just he's gonna come back like it's like you know now now we're fighting Ganondorf and like there's no stakes or anything and there's no like there's no heat to the to the battle like because there's not really that big payoff you just you know that in the next Zelda game Ganondorf's going to come back whereas you know if if you were to let's say that Breath of the Wild had this moment at the end and it and it almost kind of did because I think they said something like he's given up his right of reincarnation or something like that do you guys remember that in which game when you're Breath when you're of the Wild Calamity Ganon at the end of Breath of the Wild uh, I don't remember oh. him giving up his immortality at all. I vaguely there, there remember like... something about that. Because supposedly his immortality yeah. is, is a product of the Triforce of Power being in him. Yeah, there like there was some line at the end of it that, that some fans took to to kind of, you know, mean that he was going all in on that. But, like, if, if they had defined that and just said, like, emphatically, like, like Calamity Ganon is going all in you know it's now or never for him to defeat link and zelda like that and if he loses you'll never see him again like that fight would have just been so bonkers because like you know you're just like oh my god like this this is it for for ganondorf like he's gonna be done forever if i beat him like i you know this is awesome that makes me feel so like crap gonna... though because of the way they <laughs> implemented calamity ganon we got li- almost nothing about him or what yeah what he does so yeah. like and, if and they like, say they drop that line at the end of the game oh yeah he's going all in and if you beat him that's the end of him I'd be like oh i don't want to beat him then because <laughs> we got nothing yeah I, I know like that's not the it, it, you know, if we're if we're gonna go out on just a technical level, that fight isn't you know what you want. But let's just say that it was an awesome boss battle at the end, and they were just like, and and you know that was the was the final battle of Ganondorf. Like that to me is special. Whereas just fighting Ganondorf again and again and again and again, just he loses credibility to me, and it just loses the impact. So like, what are your guys' thoughts about this? Well, and I mean, it's kind of in my opinion, it's like. I'm a big reader, so you're say you're reading a book and it's got a big series. Well, the same villain keeps coming back over and over again. After a while, you're gonna be like, "Dude, this is like, this is super annoying. Why can't they just retire him?" It it almost kind of makes you think that they're out of ideas and it just kind of ruins the originality of it a little bit. I think. Whereas you know, if like if you do that final battle, retire that that character. It makes it gives the story more um, feeling to it as long as well as the villain, you know. Whereas when you just keep bringing it back over and over again, it's like an annoying cockroach mm. that you just can't kill. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, these are all like really reasonable arguments, and it's. I I want to argue about it because I want I I love Ganondorf so much that I'm like I just I don't want to see him ever permanently gone. But you can't. It, it's really hard to argue against the the evidence and that he, what they're doing with him is not working anymore. Like I think the last time we got anything like seriously dramatic or really good about him was probably Wind Waker. And 
I just or or sorry, I mean, Twilight Twilight, Twilight Princess. Princess. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're right. I I totally for swapped the release order when Waker <laughs> Twilight Princess for a moment. <laughs> so yeah, so sorry, Twilight Princess is the last time we got anything significant about him and where it was super dramatic. And I really loved that sword fight at the end. It was great. You know, yeah. you got a one-on-one fight with Ganondorf. You know, which you could which you could argue uh, Ocarina of Time was the prototype to. You know, the standard tennis match, and then you fight his big form you know, one-on-one, but mm-hmm. Twilight Princess, ooh, that was such a good and dramatic fight at the end. And, like, I know that there's going to be people out there that are just like, well, Ganondorf hasn't come back since then, so, like, what are you what are you complaining about? And, like, the Ganondorf hasn't come back, but then you still, we, we've plotted out Ganon, you know, again and again. I, I, the, time, the, the exact time's escaped me, but, you know, Breath of the Wild just sticks out like a sore thumb where he was you know brought back just kind of out of nowhere and then just plopped there as like a main villain with nothing nothing towards him so like the fight to me just had diminishing returns in that game yeah i mean i really liked the the ganon ganon fight in a link to the past that was a lot of fun um and it and it kind of felt it felt real to me during the during the time that i was playing it but i think like at the end of the day, when you look at when you look at Ganon, like Big Beast Ganon, at the I think it works as a transformation. It doesn't really so much work as a as a whole villain. And I think that a lot of games, even now that are coming out, are starting to just jump on that bandwagon. From you, you had a link between worlds, and you have uh, Breath of the Wild, and where it's we have Ganon, who is in his beast form, so he's lost his mind, so he's really not that clever, or he's really not, you know, you can't really say he's behind all this stuff. He's just super, super powerful. He's not like a character. Right. It's more like, oh, here's a placeholder villain that we just threw in there because everybody knows him, everybody knows he's the big bad, and so everybody wants to fight him. And I'm like, well, why don't you do it like... Uh, you know, Ocarina or A Link to the Past or or Wind Waker or Twilight Princess and where, you know, he has the ability, thanks to the Triforce of Power, to, you know, become Beast Ganon as a last resort in a fight. Um, but it's not the main show. The main show is Ganondorf, I feel, and should be Ganondorf. This yeah. is what I would prefer the Zelda series did. I think that Metroid is a very good example of how to do your villains and have like definitive arcs and endings. So like if you look at Metroid 1, Metroid 2 and Super Metroid, you have the Mother Brain Space Pirate arc where like they they capture they capture the Metroids and and use them as weapons and then Samus defeats Mother Brain, they regroup, steal the infant, comes back and she beats him again. So like those three games that arc is done and then you have the Prime arc where like Metroid Prime 1, you discover the Phazon, Dark Samus is born. You know, over the course of the three games, Samus defeats uh, Dark Samus and Phazon, and then, you know, that arc is done. There's Metroid Fusion and Other M, which starts a new arc. You know what I mean? So, like, it's, uh, they introduce compelling characters and compelling villains. And, like, yes, I know that Ridley comes up in every game, but, uh, you know, I'm okay with that just because he's not really the final boss of any games. And, like, I, it, like, I don't want Zelda to scrub away all references to Ganon and Ganondorf, but I like I do think that when you have like a like a Yuga or a Vadi, like you know, you can run with those guys more. You can like you don't always have to default back to 
Ganon and Ganondorf. And, you know, I think that they're... I think that Zelda's been been gun shy and relying too much on this guy just to just to carry the villain role when like it's just been diminishing returns. Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't think he should be retired, but he should certainly take a back seat for a while. Yeah. Like maybe come out with two or three games without him. We can we can explore other villains and then you know once once we've got that itch, like, oh, yeah, what's Ganon been up to for a while? You know, they can figure out a way to bring him back that doesn't leave us wanting, you know? Well, and I mean, then it adds a little more extra to the storyline, too, I think. You know, it kind of gives him, helps add that little bit more credibility because he's not so as overused. Yeah, I agree. We've got more to talk about than just Ganon. In fact, let's talk about some other villains. So, Ooh, other villains. Yeah, other villains. You know, they do exist, <laughs> Andy. So, with that being said, who's a villain from another series that you'd want to see incorporated into Zelda? Maybe not the actual villain, but someone like him or her or someone adjacent? So, I had a few, but I'm going to let... Um... Maybe I'll let you go first, Taylor, while I collect my thoughts. Sav, I know that you have a few as well. All right. Well, originally, I was going to say maybe something like Vegeta from the Saiyan Saga of Dragon Ball Z. For those of you non-anime fans, I apologize. But (laughs) I kind of changed my opinion a little bit because thinking about it more so now, I've... There's there's one villain that I've truly enjoyed thoroughly, and I'm never disappointed when they make an appearance in something, and that's Grand Admiral Thrawn from Star Wars. Now, he's an expanded universe character, was only just recently added into the new Disney canon through the Star Wars Rebels show and the new Thrawn book. Uh, there's a second book coming out sometime soon, which is amazing because they got the original writer to continue uh, and bring him back and his story into the new fold, so that's great. But essentially what Thrawn is, is he's this alien admiral in the Galactic Empire. So we all know that the Galactic Empire kind of, they're not too keen on aliens and they're not too keen on, you know, non-human stuff. So Grand Admiral Thrawn is this super, super smart guy. He's like brilliant, genius uh, Admiral, who impresses the Emperor enough to basically become one of his top uh, top military leaders. And he's so intelligent, he's so, you know, tactically aware that he can take a, a situation at a glance and figure out a way to beat it. And one of the most interesting things about him is that part of how he does that is through observing a species' art. So he... Kind of like goes, you could say he goes to a museum, but he just, you know, brings it up in his command office. Because we're in the future, we have holographs. And, you know, just looks at species art that he anticipates he's going to be fighting uh, next or or in the future. And he gleams cultural and, uh, like, species-specific weaknesses in their psychology and in their way that they fight. And he's able to develop strategies against them. Now, he does eventually lose uh, against the Rebel Alliance in the original stories. We'll see how it pans out in the new stories. Um, so he's not infallible, which I also like. 
but he was always a treat to hear hear him speak because he's so cultured to hear him do what he does best in in combat and being able to figure out how to how to best beat his opponents and i think that kind of character would work well in zelda because we don't see a lot of that like the most we see of that would be ganondorf sometimes having a great master plan that happens to work like tricking link into opening the sacred realm but ultimately there aren't a lot of villains that have grandmaster plans they kind of have plan a and then when link upturns it everybody's like well what do we do now <laughs> so I'm think I'm thinking someone like that, that could be really really uh, beneficial to the series. I'm trying to think of like the smartest plan of Zelda villains, and I think Hilda maybe comes closest to that. I could agree that, with that. You could definitely, you could definitely, but you could definitely expand on that a lot because, because like, yeah, you've never had that. You've never you you have like kind of the opposite of Link sometimes, but you never have the opposite of Zelda, where like someone just as wise as her is setting a plan into motion. Into motion, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Um. Okay. How about this? How about we each do two? Because I got two. Okay. So. Got two. So then the so second my one. First one. Oh, okay. You want to go first? Uh, I'm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Cool. <laughs> Lay it on so me. So my first one was going to be, like, the Joker from Batman. But, so I think that Skull Kid slash Majora is kind of the epitome of the Joker, where he just blows shit up for fun. So I'm going to kind of twist that around and say instead, from Batman, I would say Two-Face. Now, we've probably all seen The Dark Knight, and we probably all know what kind of a guy Harvey Dent was before the accident. He was the symbol of justice... He was this great guy, and something happened to him and pushed him over the edge. And it and it, his focus just became a little bit more singular, and his world vision became a little bit more black and white. So like, you know, it, it was kind of like this this guy who used to be an ally, and now you have to fight him until the end. And so like, you know, you you don't really see Link with friends and i know it's something that we've talked about before sav wants to see this done but i just think that like that adds to the emotional aspect because like it's one thing to have link fight ganondorf and they're intertwined by destiny but like they don't really know each other but like when you're fighting that personal adversary i think it i think it you know makes it that much more epic definitely what about you sav what about you sav um so mine is from actually all of mine are from the same book series um it's from a series called a court of thorns and roses by sarah j mass um i'll try and keep spoilers limited in case people are reading it or decide to you should it's good um you've been warned just in case yeah mm-hmm. it's that book yeah okay it's <laughs> it does i'm still not over it um so in the first and second book there is a villainess named amarantha a little bit of a synopsis is that there's this war between the Fae and the humans a little bit. And so Feyre, the main character, goes to the spring court where there's the um, high Fae named Tamlin. So Tamlin and his spring court has a curse put on them by Amarantha. Basically, their magic is gone, they can't use it, and they have these masks um, that kind of represent them stuck to their face and, I mean, it, it can't come off. And in order for that curse to be broken, 
a human with hate in her heart that willingly kills one of the fae basically has to fall in love with Tamlin and tell him that she loves him. Well, Amarantha is incredibly crafty. So when she first comes into the the picture for the book, she's, you know, you kind of hear a lot about her that she was originally seemingly good, kind of just a like a, a liaison in between all the different courts and just trying to, you know, kind of work between them, etc. Well, eventually, she basically wants to rule the world on her own. So, but nobody really sees this. I mean, to to them, she's she's smart, she's kind, you know, she's really trying to work with everyone together, etc. So she sounds like a mix of like Maleficent and uh, like that yeah. old witch that cursed the beast, she, of Beauty and the she Beast. She is. She really kind of is, and she has a huge like just cruelty streak to her. I mean, you're just like, oh my god, I hate this woman so much. So she's almost like the female Ganondorf. I think the the idea of having, like, I was going to say a female Ganondorf, but really any kind of female antagonist in Zelda would be a nice um, breath of fresh air, because other than Hilda, I can't really think of any, and maybe you guys can correct me if there are, but uh, it would it would make for just, like, a, a nice... You could argue Twin Rover. ...just to have... Yeah, I guess you could. They, those guys are almost like the like the King K rules though of Zelda. Like they're not really a serious threat. They're just kind of like a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like like seeing a villainess or like someone almost like the dark Zelda would be really cool. Oh, what about so, uh, what about from Oracle of Seasons and Ages? She was. Oh, that's right. Oh. Yeah, that she, uh, whatever her name is. She. I don't know. I mean, like, an actual, like, in-depth character, though. Yeah, I know, right? Like, uh, like, you just, you dive deep into their personality, like, and you get, you know, you get uh, a full-blown villain rather than just, like, a glorified dungeon boss at the end. But you are right about that, and someone would have called us out on that for sure, I, so I'm glad that you brought I that think, up. like, she actually you kind of do experience her her overall plan you don't get a lot into her backstory so much but varen yeah she she does have an arc though and she doesn't really feel like a final boss because you kind of do see her effects over the course of the game uh and honestly like onox general onox and uh ganondorf well failed to resurrect ganondorf or kind of the and all be all bosses, I guess. So she's like three quarters of the way through, and you beat her, and or you fight her at least, and then you have to play the other games to get the real endings. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna throw out a second character that I think would be really cool in uh, in Zelda, and that is kind of like a a character type based off of Sinestro from Green Lantern. Now, Sinestro was this really self-righteous dude, and he was a Green Lantern himself at the start of his reign. And uh, basically, he had a sector to protect in the space, and his sector was the best. There was no crime. like every There there was nothing against the law, and everything looked fine. But when you, when you, you know, got a little bit closer in, and you really looked... You saw that there was no crime because he was ruling like an absolute tyrant. And so to him, to Sinestro, 
the end justified the mean of like, you know, there's no crime and this is what it takes. So this is what we have to do. Um, whereas, you know, Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern that's typically, you know, portrayed in other media is a little bit, you know, you know, obviously he saw this and was just like, oh my God, like this can't be what the Green Lanterns stand for. And then eventually helped overthrow Sinestro to the point where he started his own rival corpse and started uh, this big war of light with the Green Lanterns. So just that, that kind of villain that um, like sort of in between uh, Savs and Taylors where like, like he's he's a good you know he you know he means well and you could kind of throw magneto into here too they mean well but their methods are just extreme in the most absolute way and you know it's it's interesting to me to see these characters and maybe i keep on going to like the the dark side of zelda but it could be the dark side of link too and it's just like you know they they could easily all be fighting for the same thing and they they want the same thing but it's the way that they're doing it that is that is you know what divides them so maybe it's maybe it's just another character and he's fighting ganondorf or or whoever is the main villain but his methods are just so extreme that by the end of the game this character becomes the main villain versus who you originally sought out to fight so i think something like that could be interesting yeah that's, that would be good. And damn, Andy, you're just you're taking all my ideas here. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Right. It's just you know, it's rough being being unoriginal, I guess. <laughs> so my great minds think alike, so I don't know what's happening with us. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so my second villain, um, I could go a couple of ways here, but I guess I'll stick with my original. Um. So, kind of like a character like Vegeta, who in Dragon Ball, for those unfamiliar with, he's a super powerful alien uh, called a Saiyan, who the main character of the series um, is also the same race. And he comes to Earth... I just want to throw out really quick, I, I never watched Dragon Ball, and I always thought it was Vegeta. <laughs> spelling it out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a play on words. They're All Saiyans are named after vegetables, so... You got Planet Vegeta, which is Planet Vegetable. King Vegeta. Prince Vegeta. In any case, uh, he comes to Earth <laughs> in order to uh, get the Dragon Balls, which when all of them are gathered, you get a wish. Um, so he wants to wish for immortality so he can beat his uh, master slash jerk of a guy named Frieza, which you find out later. So he comes to Earth, and he fights the main character, Goku, and he's just like this really cold and ruthless guy uh, at the start, but he's got a kind of like a, a, a sardonic sense of humor, which kind of kind of gives you a little bit of a a liking towards him at, at the start, even though the things that he's doing are pretty much off the scale. And then you know, halfway through this fight, where he sends his his um, his comrade Nappa to fight against Goku, Goku whoops his butt. And then Vegeta just takes him, throws him in the air, and blows him up. Just, like, no care, nothing. Like, these guys were, like, some of the closest dudes you've seen in the Saiyans beforehand, and he just kills him without a thought. And then he tells Goku, like, you're a low-class Saiyan, and, you know, we're, we're going to wipe you off the planet, you're not worth my time, and I'm going to get the Dragon Balls. Eventually, Vegeta turns into a good guy, kind of like an anti-hero. Um, and where he kind of slowly acclimates to Earth, because he obviously loses the fight against Goku. 
and it's it's really interesting to see his character growth because he goes from being like this uncaring you know alien jerk who's super super powerful to still being super super powerful later but kind of like having this other side to him that you slowly get revealed over the course of the series and I think it kind of goes in line with what you said, Andy, and where if we had that uh, a kind of character like that who... And it also with you, Sav, and where you have a character that is familiar with the main character and they kind of, they're kind of just like rivals throughout the entire game. And it might not even have to be like something super serious where all Hyrule is in jeopardy. It could be kind of like a return to the old adventure style. And, you know, they, there's just these two rivals who key, who are along the same path, but their paths diverge in how they accomplish their goals. You know what I mean? And I think... Yep, I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I think something and, like that would be fun. You know what I'm disappointed that none of us said? I wish that one of us would have said the Terminator. Just someone who comes in and just destroys everything in his path and instills fear and... Terminator would be awesome. Yeah, you, that would be a good you, you read some weird stuff, Sav. I could, I could see that happening. I do. I love my fantasy, though. Hey, man, we could have the Reapers be the next villain of Zelda. Ooh, there we go. What about if we did like the almost like the Seven Deadly Sins from Full Metal Alchemist? Ooh, that would be interesting. That kind of like cool. a homunculus esque. We got a plot to rule. It could combine a lot of elements. Yeah. You could combine all yeah. of our villains there that way. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that'd be good. And they could be the bosses awesome of all the head. dungeons in the game. You know, we, we're on a there roll here. Go. Come on, Nintendo. Take <laughs> notes. Right? Watch anime, Nintendo. Yeah. that That's the bottom line. Anime was Basically. not a mistake. It was a calculated risk. Moving on, then, continuing along with the villain theme, um, my thoughts were that there were some uh, villains in the Zelda series that were kind of misused. So, Master Koga from Breath of the Wild, Body, Dark Link, Demise, etc. So, um, I'm just kind of going to touch on one of them here. You know, Master Koga from Breath of the Wild. He's kind of, um, you know, he's basically the bad version of the Sheikah and you know you kind of go battle him whatever and when you're kind of dealing and talking to the um characters that are mentioning Master Koga you're like oh dude this guy's gonna be awesome you know it's gonna be like this awesome fight whatever and he's gonna be totally cool and then you know you sneak through like the whole the the desert place to go find him and you battle him and you're like and you get there and you're just kind of like wait this is Master Koga? Like, really? He's a goof. Yeah, he was a total goof. And I'm like, this is it? I was like, he's like this kind of like fat, like weird old old guy and like humorous. And I thought he was going to be like this total like really awesome character and, you know, kind of buff guy. And then you're going to be like, oh man, this is going to be tough. And you're like, you kind of see him. You're like, oh, that was kind of lame. I want to know what he did that allowed him to become so like worshipped 
amongst them because <laughs> like everyone you encounter especially after being was like this is for master koga and i'm just like why <laughs> yeah right you're just kind of like he's a, he's a total doofus i i was so i was so let down by master koga I and i too. wrote a uh, a basically how i would have made the story of breath of the wild go and master koga was like a central player in that he was almost like the zant of breath of the wild where he was like he was channeling this Calamity Ganon, and he had this this weapon called Calamity Ganon, and like he was a he was a badass, and it and it, and it culminated with this you know epic battle in Hyrule Castle, and like in the game, he's just this this goof who does jumping jacks in a giant pit, and like like he he reminds me he reminds me of Wily e. Coyote. <laughs> little bit yeah that's an app like, description you can just see him running into the hole stopping realizing he doesn't have ground under his feet looking back to link putting his hands up and shrugging and then falling and it's like Ugh. <laughs> right you're like oh okay or when he throws the tnt uh, yeah. at you you throw it back and he just has a surprised expression on his face before he blows up you know <laughs> yeah he was he was i would say one of the most misused villains in the series I, what about you, Taylor? I would say Vati from Four Swords. Not Vati from Minish Cap, but Vati from the Four Swords game seemed... It seemed like they... I mean, first, Four Swords and Four Swords Adventures didn't feel to me like a, a fully thought out in terms of story game. It's, it seemed a lot like, a, oh, you can play multiplayer Zelda and have a lot of fun with it. And I like that aspect yeah. of it. Um, it wasn't done poorly, but as, you know, having a villain just thrown in at the end named Vadi, who is supposedly responsible for all this stuff going on, it seemed a little poorly done, poorly executed. Almost and like anticlimactic kind of Yeah, thing. exactly. And then, you know, Minish Cap comes out later, and you're like, ooh, now I see what, what you were going for, and it was so much more interesting. So if, I just feel like if maybe they gave a little bit more uh, about Vadi in Four Swords or Four Swords Adventures, it would have been a, a better... See, I, I disagree with you. I think uh, I'm going to let them off the hook for that game, just because I don't think those were ever intended to be, like, widely played mainstream Zelda games. Well, yeah. The first was packaged in with Link to the Past. But, right, but it's still included in the canon. A, so, when they included... I, in... I know, I, I think the only disappointing thing is that Vadi wasn't used again after Minish Cap, or, you know, in a game that takes place before Minish Cap. I don't know. Oh, absolutely, but you say the same thing about Majora's Mask. You could. I, I like, I... I don't know. To me, like... To me, that's like saying that the villain in Triforce Heroes is underrated she was amazing i'm sorry like (laughs) she's not really she's not really like supposed to i don't know to me in my mind it's just like this is a spin-off game the villain can can just kind of be whatever you know it's it's the generic reason for the game taking place and i felt like that's what the four swords games were very much like i agree with you in its implementation which is why it says like it it was not meant to really be that but it happens to be that's like saying that the boss of donkey Konga was bad but i'm still happy that you bring that up though because that boss was so much better implemented in a side story game than vadi was in four swords that's like <laughs> you brought up the best example possible. Just saying. 
I need more of her, it, by the it way. It gets a pass. It gets a pass from me. Okay. So that's only from me. So I'm going to bring it home here. I'm going to bring it full circle. We're going to go back to where we all started. And I'm going to say the most misused villain ever in Zelda is Calamity Ganon. Yes. Mm-hmm. What were they what were they thinking? What were they doing? What was Calamity Ganon? Somebody tell me what he was. Was he a cloud? Was he Ganondorf reincarnated? Was he what was he? How how did he take control of the divine beasts? How did he take control of the guardians? What what powers does he have? Undefined. Who was he? Undefined. Where did he come from? Undefined. There was no reasoning behind him and a character like Majora's Mask can totally work when you don't give him background and you don't and he's just there to cause havoc but I feel like Calamity Ganon in this game in this important Zelda game needed to have a reason for existence he needed to have a story he needed to have a payoff and it was just like it was basically like any any Nintendo Entertainment System game back on the NES where you just get to the final boss and the final boss is just an amped up version of a baddie. That's all Calamity Ganon was. He was nothing special. He was just an amped up version of the Blights. And I was so disappointed and the, the potential for that character, and I use that word loosely, character, but the, but the potential for that character was through the roof. And they just like, they could have hit a home run and they bunted. And it's like, why? Yeah. I agree. This this is your villain? Yeah. I mean, when you see the trailer for the game and everything, and you're like, dude, that is awesome. It's totally unique. There's a lot of potential. And you think it's going to be really cool and, you know, and have quite a bit of backstory and everything. And, yeah, and then you get there and you're like, oh, this was not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. You're like, this sucks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Me, like one of the one of the biggest really draws of the game was the mystery of Calamity mm-hmm. Ganon. Like, what is it? You don't get an yeah. answer to that. I, you don't. You don't get anything. Yeah, I remember my significant other and I were watching the trailer for Breath of the Wild, where Calamity Ganon was showcased, and I like I remember we were just talking for probably a couple of hours on what is this how is it going to be executed what does this mean how are you know how how is this going to have an effect and then for a game that spent four plus years in development i am utterly flabbergasted how how that ended up i i'm gonna go say breath of the wild was the most important game that nintendo ever released because they had that complete wii u debacle like that, it was just a complete joke. Nintendo was on life support, and they needed Breath of the Wild to be an absolute home run, and it was, but it wasn't because of the story. So what they offered up was, it was frustratingly archaic because you had, you just had a, a a game where you start and you go, and then you get to the end, and then that was it. Like it was very, it was very reminiscent of the original Legend of Zelda, and maybe that was the idea. But we're 35 years past that point, and at this time, you know, maybe I was a victim of my own expectations, but I came in, and I was like, Calamity Ganon's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see what's at the center of that castle, because it must be something mind-blowing or Mm -hmm. incredible. Yeah. And and you get there, and it's a blight. All it is is a blight. And And then on top of that, the boss fight sucked. Yeah, I was, the boss fight was super easy, I thought. 
personally. I mean, you know. You I think that was the only problem with the boss course, fight, though. Is is its is its easy mechanics. I think like the epicness yeah. of that final battle was all there, and they totally oh, yeah. had this setup for making that incredible. But I, they kind of yeah, they tripped some <laughs> somewhere along the line. <laughs> And I think that's probably why we had such a high expectation is that, I mean, it was in the running for like four years. They've been taking forever. And they showed us two things in those four, that four year period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, dude, this is amazing. And then I, you know, like, I think they kind of just dropped the ball. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved the game. I thought it was excellent. And, you know, yes, there were definitely some spots that they could have done better. Um, but I feel like Calamity Ganon, they definitely really kind of dropped the ball on. Because like Andy said, I mean, it was a big, important game. Like, this needed to be, like, their best game yet. And it was. And you know what? In a lot of it ways, fell a it little was. Short. Yeah, it just fell short in, like, certain aspects. And I think, you know, we did have, I think we all kind of put our expectations a little too high, considering how long it took them. And the fact that they never there showed us anything. anything... Uh, yeah. There might not have been anything that they could do that would have delivered to the point where our, my expectations for uh, the this story. Is true. Maybe not, but you know, they could delivered. have done a lot more. But they could have done better. Yeah. yeah. They could have done better. But I mean, this I, was I their first like... time kind of going with an open world theme, and I mean, they were trying a whole lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah, but guys, it's so... not their first time writing a Legend of Zelda story. Uh, no, where, it's you not. Know, Skyward, Skyward Sword has this incredible story, and it's just like. It's like, where's the guys that wrote that? Where did they go? This is why like, I keep. This is why I keep bringing it up every time we we talk about Breath of the Wild. It's that like this game, in many ways, is so is so good, but you you have to wonder. It's like, where? Why are they hesitating so much? Sticking just straight, strictly on the topic of villains here, I I just I, I want to go out and just say like we'll we'll end on this and just say like there is. In, in the best video games, the ones that I brought up at the start, where you have those compelling villains like Liquid Snake or like, you know, the Elusive Man, there's there's absolutely no what ifs at the end of the game and at the end of their story arc. And there was so many what ifs at the end of Breath of the Wild in terms of the character of Calamity Ganon that to me, it makes him a shoe in for the most misused Zelda character ever. Not even villain, just character ever. Yeah. So. Nope. Totally agree. Yeah. But alas. And that about does it. That about does it for us uh, today here, folks. Thank you for listening to this wicked podcast full of villainy. Wicked podcast, guys. It's oh so unfortunate that guys. you went there. <laughs> like, I'm suffering under the tyranny and villainy of Andy right now, having to listen to that. It's... <laughs> it's been suggested that I am the ultimate villain in the Zelda scene. That's so true. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Uh, just to want to reiterate, you can now look forward to the Champions Cast on Mondays. So bookmark it on your calendar for Mondays. Come back, and we'll help get your week started off a little bit better. Um, you can listen to us on Podbean and iTunes. Be sure to drop us a like. Be sure to drop us a comment. Be sure to drop us a subscription. Thank you very much for listening. For Taylor, for Savannah, for myself, we hope that you guys have a great week and tune in next week. We should have a good episode with a special guest. So take care and until then. Mm-hmm.